looking in Isaiah, which the book is named after the prophet who wrote it, and that's kind of jumping ahead. So Isaiah is the prophet who authors the book of Isaiah, which would make sense, but a little bit of just a small bit of background is that Isaiah walked the earth about 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. And so some of the things, obviously there's a lot to Isaiah, but some of the things that he said predicted the birth of Jesus. So he's a a real significant prophet in the Bible where the Lord was speaking to him. Can I say this real quick? Because a lot of people have said, and I've even had people uh, text me asking me, what do you think about the Bible? Is the Bible in error? And I was like, no, no, it's not in error. It is, and they said, well, it contradicts itself. I said, well, no, not any, not any exhaustive study of the Word of God is a contradiction. So what we believe, or what I believe, is that it is the infallible, meaning without error, Word of God. And so the authors, including Isaiah, were moved upon by the Holy Spirit to pen or to write the things that we see in the Bible everywhere, from Isaiah to Matthew to Paul to uh, Timothy to all these ones that were, well, I guess Timothy was written to Timothy anyway. <laughs> so you get the idea. But he lived 700 years before Jesus. He lived during a time that God's people were not living right, but their hearts were turning. So uh, it's very significant about this time in, in history is uh, God was moving on the hearts of people. Have you ever had a time in your life where God was moving something inside of you? Maybe you were not in a not-so-good place, but something was changing on the inside of you, and that's where the people of God were as Isaiah was writing and, and living this book. So we're just going to take several scriptures from Isaiah 40 tonight and expound it. So this is actually the first verse. Comfort, comfort, My people, says the Lord. And so God, now can I just say that the 40th chapter of Isaiah starts a a new theme when he's writing. 39 and below are are a bit of uh, judgment and different things that, that, that God is speaking in direct discipline. But 40 in most historian or most people that study the Bible believe that it, it, sets a, it sets a different tone with the heart of God. And I think it's significant that God starts out what he really wants to speak to people's heart with comfort. Comfort. I thought it was interesting. I was thinking about this today that, you know, when I'm mad at somebody or somebody has done me wrong, the last thing I want on them is comfort. <laughs> you know, I want them to have hemorrhoids or something like that. I don't want comfort. But God is so different than I am. And when God was dealing with people that had idol worship and whose hearts were hard and whose lives were away from him, and God's using a man named Isaiah to reveal his heart, that the first words, the first thoughts out of God's heart are comfort. Comfort is what he wants for us. You know, a lot of times we live life with stress, stress is what our life is about, or, or overwhelmed, overwhelmed, or uh, wigged out, wigged out. But God's thoughts, even for us today, are comfort, comfort. Uh, and we maybe even like overthink, overthink. I know nobody in here overthinks anything, but you get my drift. Your first feeling is this. God is directly speaking to people's heart about his heart. 
that that's one of the good, cool things about the Word of God is it's just not something very neat that we can read on a daily basis, but it's something that is revealing the heart of God to us. God's plan for our lives are to be full of comfort. Can I take that a step further, that if my life is not full of comfort, then it's not God's plan for me. That if my life is full of discomfort or dis-ease or or overwhelmed or stressed out or overthinking things, that's not the heart of God for me. His, his heart is comfort for me. God's comfort will always, I like this, the Lord gave this to me, the, God's comfort will always bring wholeness to every part that, that, touches, that, his life, that touches in my life. That when I come to God like these people, these people of God did in, in the book of Isaiah, and those words to them were comfort, comfort from the Lord, And God's goal was to bring wholeness to their lives. Here's verse 3. We just read verse 1. He said, A voice of one who cries, Prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord. And we can say the wilderness is a place where it is without the presence of God, without the provision of God, a desolate place. Prepare Prepare in the wilderness a way of the Lord. Clear away the obstacles. Make straight and smooth in the desert. And I like this word right here, a highway to our God. Because God being revealed as a highway to our God gives the connotation that he's moving at a different rate than I'm moving at sometimes. Now, I try to ride a little bit different in school zones than I do on the freeway. I hope you do, too. You know, it made me miss Melinda. She probably goes through those those school zones and, kill a kid day. Get off the sidewalk if you don't like the way I'm driving. No, I'm just kidding. She's probably very, very law-abiding, I'm sure, Miss Melinda. I lost my place. That was maybe the Lord (laughs) telling me. In my life, God is moving with his purpose And with his plan, I rely on his ability and not my own ability. That when he is speaking through Isaiah to these people and saying, make a highway unto our God, is that God is moving at a rate and at a pace and at a a realm that is beyond what Jonathan can comprehend with his own mind. But that's okay. Because a lot of times we, well, let me read this out of Philippians. For God, I love this, this word right here, for God is working in you. Can I just stop right there and just let you know that there's probably a lot of times in our lives that God is at work in, in us and we have no clue he's at work inside of us. That he's working in us and through us and we don't have any realization that he is moving in us, that he's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is out of Philippians. Now, the, in, the inclination that we have, have you ever, let me ask you this, have you ever prayed a prayer, God, where are you? I like a little post that Allison posted on Facebook that was from John Gray, where you're praising God out of your anger, <laughs> out of your frustration, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, maybe, because you, you think, or I think, that God is moving at a different pace than we think that he ought to, and, and we think like this, I stole this from little Gracie, I ran by Desiree's house today, and we think this is God, 
I'm coming to help you. I'll be there. Hold on. I'll guide your steps. I'll make your path straight. Don't, you, know, you ever thought that? God's son, he's a little old man. You know, maybe, maybe this knocks down. Have you ever seen a little old man? This is how they. And we think that that's God. That that's how he operates. I better get this out of here before I trip on it. That, uh-oh. There's a washer there. A little grace. Maybe, maybe I'm over the weight limit for this. And here's God. I'm a coming. I'm a get there. I'm going to take care of you. And that's not the revelation that Isaiah had. Can you go back to that verse 3? That Isaiah had the revelation from God. Can you guys go back? That make a highway. <laughs> like I said, there's a whole different way of moving if you're on a residential street or in a parking lot as opposed to a highway. And I believe God's heart for us in the days that we're living in, is that he says, I'm at a pace and at a realm that won't wear you out, but it sure is going to make me move fast and, and, and cause my purposes to come to pass in your life and on this planet. My three people, amen me. If I trust his heart, he'll do what's in his heart <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful revelation? If you don't take anything else home tonight, if you don't head out of here and go to Chick-fil-A and get you a six or what are the eight-piece count or whatever with some waffle fries and Chick-fil-A sauce, if you don't take anything else out of here, but you take that if I trust his heart for me, then I can have what's in his heart for my life. He'll do in my heart what's in, in his heart for my life. Obstacles or what I let get in the way of fully trusting what God is doing. That whether it's your schedule, whether it's social media. I heard a guy talk this morning on the, on the news. I was listening to Fox News, and, and he was talking about debt and different stuff like that and about getting scholarships for college and all this other stuff. And he said if young people would spend a fraction of the time researching their future through scholarships and grants and stuff as they do on social media, their college would be paid for. <laughs> I was like, huh. Not that I'm trying to pay for college, but I wonder what our spiritual lives would be like, that what God would develop in us if we took a fraction of the time that we spend on social media, finding out what everybody else is saying and doing, and take that time and find out what God is saying and doing. Can I let you in on something that he probably has something way more worth listening to and observing than what somebody's eating for dinner tonight? <laughs> this is my kind of, maybe, uh, maybe because I've developed a little bit of, of uh, insulation around. But my new deal is these people that are on these fitness things and every single picture is of them at the gym. I want one of those buttons. Miss Sheila wants one of those eye roll buttons. I want one of those clicks that says enough already. <laughs> enough. Enough of the lifting the weights and the squats. Enough of in the, in the mirror, in the, in the restroom, at the, at the gym. Enough, enough, enough. 
What if we focused and fixed our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured a cross, not a bench press, a cross, despising the shame, and is set at on high next to the seat, seated next to God. What if we fixed our eyes on that? I've lost my place. Maybe this is the Lord saying, get back on your notes. Every valley, verse 4 in Isaiah 40, every valley shall be lifted and filled up, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked and uneven shall be made straight and level, and the rough places plain. Your next fill in. Valleys and mountains are not easily moved unless you're God. And if you're God, then you can make statements like, I'm going to flatten valleys or mountains and I'm going to fill up valleys and crooked places, I'm going to make those straight. Now, what would happen if we trusted God that the mountains in our lives, some preaching to somebody now, and the valleys in our lives, that he has the ability and the desire to level the mountains and fill the valleys and make straight the things that the enemy is trying to distort and make crooked. God will move and change things that don't seem easily moved and changed. Michelle just came back from... New Mexico, I was born in New Mexico. There's one thing about New Mexico is New Mexico has scenery. Texas has nothing. <laughs> it doesn't. It's just flat. And then you go to the Big Bend right now. Let's load up. Who's got a car big enough? But if you go to, if you're, like, if you're in where we live, it's just flat. But if you go to like Albuquerque or Santa Fe or one of those, it's scenic. So you just go on out there and you try to flatten one of those mountains on your own. <laughs> I don't recommend it, but God said that he would flatten mountains. Lost my place again. In a moment, God can set in my life as he designed them. I like this next verse 7. This is good. 7 and 8. It says, the grass withers. The flowers fade, but the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely all the people are like grass. Verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. That we really have come to a place where we have flipped those. <laughs> where we think that our circumstances or our situation or what we're going through or what, what, what we like or what we think our dreams are, that that's going to last forever and it won't last forever. What God purposes for us to do on this planet is not going to last forever. But what will last forever is the word of our God. What will last forever is the word of our God in our hearts. He said, when he was describing, he said that the grass withers, the flower fades. Now, I went out just today. And this morning, I was in my shorts and t-shirt, and I went out to my neighbor's yard and they had this on the side of the, you know, ready for pickup. This was at one time alive in their yard. Can I let you know it's not alive anymore? Let me hear. No, it's dead. <laughs> and it's a little brittle. And I've been losing leaves everywhere I've gone. And Ms. Sheila's going to make sure that I vacuum all these up. But there's no one in here, <laughs> there's nobody in here that would go, oh, that's a beautiful branch you have there. 
I love it. It's beautiful. You should have somebody come and, sh and shape that, <laughs> plant it in your front yard. It's, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. No, this thing's dead. <laughs> this thing and all of its friends are ready to be picked up and put into the back of a truck and dumped God knows where. And we have no problem. We have no problem. I mean, nobody's going to fight me over this tonight and say, could I take that home with me, please? I'm going to present that to my mother. <laughs> Look, Mom, you can wear it as a corsage. Or, or you can wear it as a little boutonniere around your wrist, Mom. <laughs> it's dead. And that's the, that's the analogy that the prophet Isaiah gives in comparison to the word of the Lord. He says the grass withers, the trees are going to die, but anything that's going to last forever is the word of God living on the inside of you. So let's take that, that step further. I'll clean it up, Michelle. I'll clean it up. Take it a step further and, and say that whatever is being planted on the inside of me from people around me, or whatever is being planted on the inside of me from my circumstance and what, what's going on around me is not going to last. As a matter of fact, it's on a path to be dead just like that branch is. But the word of God that I plant on the inside of me, the word of God that I put on the inside of me, the word of God that I trust on the inside of me, that Isaiah says through the inspiration of God, that's going to last forever. There's only one constant thing in the universe, and that's the Word of God. There's a lot of people out there that would try to make you think. A lot. Of, can I just say this? A lot of messed up people, sincerely messed up people, that will try to make you think that things are outside of the Word and will and plan of God, that those are the things that matter. That those are the things that we should focus on. Those are the things that we should, should triumph in justice. And I'm not for injustice, but I'm telling you that if we try to go out into this world and into our lives and raise up something that is different than the Word of God, we are destined and we are on a collision course to be severely disappointed. Because His Word is the only thing. His Word on the inside of us is the only thing. That's going to last forever. It is the only constant thing in this universe. How I see God's word determines how it works in my life. That if I don't see it working in my life, then it won't be put to work in my life. That if I don't have it coming out of my mouth, mouth and being applied to whatever I'm standing. Can I help you with something that's not in your notes? That your prayer and when you pray the word, you are coming in agreement with him. When, you, when, we come, when we say what he says, then he comes in agreement with us on what he said. Crazy. Crazy cool is what I think. Everybody's looking at me like, you're just way too pumped about this Isaiah stuff. God's word is the most sure foundation I will ever have in my life. Bradley, can you help me real quick? Can you, can you help me? And little brother, can you help me real quick? Can you bring that rocking chair and that ottoman up on this platform? <laughs> 
Yeah, just bring it straight up here. Bring that ottoman. Look at that. Hercules, Hercules. He's strong. Just put it right there. And spin it around, spin it around. Yeah, because I'm going to not be creepy and have my back to you. <laughs> Clever boy. Oh, Kate, get a new boyfriend. Thank you, little brother. Y'all give it up for little brother and Bradley. <laughs> so this, this truth says what you just filled in, that God's word is the most, and I can go ahead and add the only sure foundation in our lives. And so what the word of God is designed to do, because we think we're just having a quiet time, we think we're just f picking out our favorite scriptures, or we just, we're just picking out the nice things that God says. But God says, I'm going to trip over my own prop, God says that you can sit in and you can relax in the word of God. This is comfortable. Can I just let you know that? And I could fall asleep right now. Who, Miss Sheila, this is the, it, can y'all see this? They go together. <laughs> I mean, I'm rocking. Whoo, I could fall asleep right now. Let me tell you what, this is high living right here. And God, are you listening to me? That God designed his word in our life to create the same comfort, the same stability, the same trustworthiness, the same refreshment that comes from sitting in a nice comfy chair. And we wonder where our help is going to come from. Oh, I wish somebody would help me. I wish somebody would pray for me. I wish somebody would have a word for me. And God's like, I got a bunch for you. <laughs> okay, I'm keep going. I have the pleasure of resting, <laughs> resting in the word of God over my life. It's like, Jonathan, what are you trusting? I don't know, just the word of God. That's what Isaiah said. He said, the grass withers and the flower fades away, but stand yourself on the word of God because it ain't going nowhere. I have the pleasure of praying God's word in my world and into my world. Verse 10, behold, the Lord will come with might. Now, let me tell you what. Isaiah cranks it up a couple of notches now. The Lord will come with might, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before. I don't have time to go through all of that, but let me just jump over to this real quick on that he comes with might. We tend to forget the immense strength of our God. When I, when I was studying this, Isaiah, and I've been studying for, I guess, about four weeks or so now, and I was reading this, I was like, holy shamoly, that God just doesn't show up to look around and say, is there anything I can do here? But he show, when he shows up, and he shows up in my situations, that the word of God says he shows up with power and might. Psalms 115.3, it says, but our God is in heaven and he, I love this, and he does whatever he pleases. 
that what is God doing right now? He is sitting up in heaven with his word, and he does whatever he pleases. Now, I came across this kind of funny little montage of, of uh, pictures, and the title of them is uh, uh, People Just Don't Give a Darn. Well, it didn't say darn, but people just don't give a darn. And I want to show you some of the craziest things that people do that they just don't give a darn. So can you go to that first one right there? Uh, it's over here. Yeah, look at that. He just doesn't give a darn. Now, if I, don't, if I keep eating those fat boy sa- ice cream sandwiches, that's what I'm going to look like without the wind power. Go to, go to the next one. Just go, go to the next one. There. This is funny. That guy is sitting in class right now, probably at a, at a university, and he is making pancakes. <laughs> Just making. Let me tell you what. You do whatever you want. When you show up into your college class with a griddle and batter and just start making pancakes right in the middle of class. Go, go to the next one. I have four to show you. Here's the third one. Or maybe it's five. Yeah, they see right there? They do whatever they want to do. Line them motorized carts up. How many are there? There's five. Just line them up. We're going we're gonna to do, do a little. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> Girlfriend is drinking spicy mustard. That's, that's the height of you're going to do whatever you want to do. Was that was... <laughs> She's going to have some breath. Let me tell you that. We can just peel up some paint with that breath. Was that the last one, Taylor? Was that the last one? Go back to, to Psalms 115. That was, and let me read this again so you'll get my point. Go to the Psalms 115 one. That our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Those people in those, those, those uh, pictures, they were doing whatever they please. And our God is designed the same way. That when it comes to our life, he's working something good. Taylor, if you'll come on down. It said, God will do what he wants in my life. That if I will rest in his word, if I will establish myself in his command of comfort, comfort, then God will come in and do what he wants. I'm, I'm often worried and worked up about what God, about what God has already planned for. I'm all Wrapped up, tied up, tangled all up in, in worry and, <laughs> and regret and all kinds of stuff. And God's like, I already have a plan for what you're going through. Isaiah 40.10, behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him, that his reward is with him. Let me, you're filling, God is the reward in this life. You know, there kind of is a, a trend right now that we don't need religion, and I, you know, semi-agree. We don't need the Lord. We don't need a belief in Jesus. We can just be good people, accepting of others, tolerance of all. And I know I'm not against any of that. But if we ever get to a place where we don't realize that He is the reward, then we have missed the entire boat. That Genesis 15.1 says, And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, Abram, do not be afraid. I am your shield. And I just like that he dropped the mother load on Abram. He said, I am your very great reward. That when God showed up to Abram, he said, I'm not going to reward you with wealth, even though he did. I'm not going to reward you with a son that you're not supposed to have, even though he did. 
I'm not going to reward you with plenty, even though he did. That God said that the reward that I'm going to place in your life, Abraham, is the reward of me. If I find his heart, I find the purpose of his heart, of my heart. We often look for an outside source of life and purpose, and the real answer to both is already on the inside of us. That many, many people are searching for an outward answer when there's already an inward solution. They're looking for an outward fulfillment when there's already the comfort and presence of the one who made it all on the inside. And just like Isaiah, he said that you're my reward and, and, and Abram received it from the Lord in Genesis, that he is the exceeding great reward. And then the last verse for tonight from Isaiah 40, he will feed his flock like a sheep. I love this verse. Look what all this lists. He will feed his flock like a sheep. He will gather the lambs to his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead those that have their young, that God commits, that God stands, that God makes, a, makes an agreement with you, that he will feed, gather, carry, and lead your life. For my life, I have to locate the source of my trust. That I have to locate where he is and where his heart is. And when I locate that, then I get the provision of what it says in Isaiah, that he will lead, carry, guide, and direct me. In one verse, and then we've already gone through this, but in one verse, God commits to your life to feed, gather, carry, and lead every part of your life. That in one verse... God wants to be the final answer to everything in your life. That he's committed to what he started on the inside of you.